When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, September 18th, 2023. On the show today, all of the things Disney announced at Destination D23, plus listener questions. Then in our main segment, Jim gives us the history of Disney's Alani Resort, including post-pandemic changes. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says the success of games like Animal Crossing and Disney's Dreamlight Valley are because they let adults know what it's like to decorate your home if you had the money to do it right. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It's going well. And I, a quick question. How well do you actually know Animal Crossing? I mean, I can identify Tom Nook on site. Okay. I mean, don't, don't we all owe Tom Nook a bunch of, coin, a bunch of bells? This is very true. <laughs> exactly. This is very true. On the other hand, from the moment I saw him, Blathers, the owl who runs the museum in town, <laughs> right. that was my spirit animal. I actually have a coffee <laughs> mug here at the house because it's like, you're the guy who drones on and on with long explanations. Like, well, why, where have I seen that guy before? You know, so. Uh, Do you have the other half of this magic amulet? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic but yeah i explained that to alice and he's like yep got it in one dad yeah got it. yeah yeah you're halfway through the explanation i already understood yeah there we go so all right jim let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at disneydish.bandcamp.com thanks to new subscribers shannon monroe eric yurchak jace stringham and dustin t and longtime subscribers jp curry lizzie ellis plaid sabbath and ingaloo Jim, these are the Disney cast members who decide which animals play well enough together to be in the same viewing spaces at Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. And that's why the flamingos are in Kilimanjaro safaris, and their sworn enemies, the manatees, are all the way over in Epcot. True story. <laughs> <laughs> sworn enemies, the manatees. <laughs> well, no, no. Speaking of which, have you seen the stories about the flamingos that are turning up all over the United States now that evidently... All of the weird weather that... Uh, yeah, the storms are pushing them everywhere, yeah. yeah. This is a great relief to the manatees, you know, but... I, exactly, who are finally free of persecution. There we go, there we go. So. <laughs> All right, folks, before we do the news, a quick plug for our new show. Jim and I have been working with Imagineer Jim Scholl for almost two years on a new video series that explains how your favorite Disney attractions got built. Jim was the executive creative director of Walt Disney Imagineering for a number of years, and has tons of never-before-seen photos and video from Disney attractions as they went from concept to artist renderings to steel and concrete. The show is called Disney Impact, and it comes out later this year. And you can see previews of it on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Disney Unpacked. All right, let's do the news. And the news is sponsored by Dreamland's Travel Agency. Yeah, we have a travel agency, and we can help book your next trip. Plus, it comes with a free Touring Plans subscription. Check us out at touringplans.com slash dish. Hmm. All right, Jim. Destination D23 announcements were made this past weekend. And I think you and I will both agree mm -hmm. that it was more than we expected, right? This is true. This okay. is true. All right. So before we talk about those, uh, every show should begin with a round of self-congratulations. 
on last Monday's show, we were throwing out uh, potential names for the next Disney cruise ship. And on Saturday, Disney confirmed that one of the names we suggested, the Disney Adventure, would be the name of the next ship in the fleet. And that's the Golden Dream. Okay, just want to clarify here, folks, that it was Len, all right, who who said that it would be the Disney Adventure. I was the one who shared the information that potentially a ship being added to the line would be called the Disney Star. There's still one more. There's still one more after this. (laughs) What's kind of interesting is I I did have a listener reach out and basically say, you know, maybe you want to take a look at Imagine instead of Star. Mm. So Imagine is interesting because it's a verb, right? But everything else is a noun. Yep. The Disney magic, the Disney Mm. wonder, the Mm. Disney dream the disney fantasy the disney oh that's interesting yeah yeah i wonder if we ever will get enough enough ships where it'd be like the they you start using conjunctions <laughs> like the disney won't you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> let's just go through let's go through every like like the you know does disney has a list of like past participles somewhere you know. where it's like well we just named the lifeboats after this or something if you you look at how many ships some of disney's competitor in the, oh yeah the royal have, the royal's running out of words let's face it and that's the thing i, I we jump ahead a couple of decades it's like yes we're cruising this week on the on the disney towel animal you know we're really <laughs> Very much looking forward to our vacation. (laughs) All right, Jim, we're going to start with the D23 announcements here. And uh, I'd like to tackle these in a specific order. Okay. And that order is most likely to happen first. And we should live so long as to see this happen last. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. And there's some subjectivity to this. Mm -hmm. Listeners, you just let me know if you disagree. All right. Mm -hmm. But let's start with the thing that is absolutely going to happen, and that is the Figment meet and greet, which has already opened at Epcot. Mm -hmm. Jim, you'll see in the show notes that I wrote, with only minor injuries so far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I I, I honestly wish I could give credit to whoever posted this on social media. Again, Len is referring to, we've now had... Two videos show up online of, of what is it? Uh, Figment. Figment walking down the the rainbow tunnel in right. imagination. Yeah, yeah, and then you know just falling down, falling down. <laughs> and, yeah. But it, it, again, great gag. You know that that basically someone on social media said, "Well, they did tell us the character would debut in the fall." Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so that's definitely happening because it's mm-hmm. already happened. Yep. Uh, the next thing actually uh, that was announced happens this week, mm-hmm. and that's that the original Soarin' Over California replaces Soarin' Around this, the World. Did they refer to this as a limited run? Or that's I didn't see that. That's mm-hmm. interesting, right? Okay, okay. I love me, you know, some Soarin' Over California. I think they did an absolutely beautiful job with it. Amazing score and all that. Just interesting that that's coming back. I think one of the things that we're all going to appreciate about Soarin' Over California is that the video projection does not distort the scene, uh, the scenes in Soarin' the way it did in Soarin' Around the World. And I'm Jim. Part of me makes me. Part of me mm-hmm. thinks that number one, this is an easy way for Disney to address guest complaints about mm-hmm. that. Because Laurel and I were in Epcot over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I asked her like, you know, do you want to ride Soarin'? Because there was no wait, yep. you know, like fifteen minutes or whatever, and she's like. Normally, I would say yes, mm-hmm. but Laurel said, you know, the last four times that she's done Soarin' Around the World, mm-hmm. we were sitting on the ends, oh. and she's like, look, the video screen is so distorted, it's not worth the 15-minute wait. Okay. okay. And I okay. wonder if this is driving that. 
When you sit in seats to those extremes, does it honestly look like the Alf- the Eiffel Tower is coming after you? I mean, I, that seems to be the bone of contention with a it, lot of folks. You know, just it the- almost looks like it's so curved that they mm-hmm. intended it that way for some visual gag mm-hmm. that you're not getting, that you're not understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. that's them sure that's not the uh, result that Disney wanted. Anyway, so okay. it'll be nice to see Soarin' Over California how long it lasts. The uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that's coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, has an official opening date of October 16th, so about a month from now. Okay. Uh, and there's a Moana meet and greet with that, so that's great. Okay. Well, again, again addressing a long-running guest complaint about lack of characters at Epcot, so there you yeah. go. And we reviewed the Journey of Water last week. I mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Jim, the next time you're down, you should definitely walk through it together. Okay. Take his input on it. All mm-hmm. right. The, uh, the other thing that uh, Disney said, uh, the Hatbox Ghost will debut in the Magic Kingdom's Haunted Mansion in late November of 2023. And they uh, released another piece of concept art mm-hmm. uh, with that. So we should expect that to happen. I'm a little surprised this didn't happen during the last refurbishment. What's interesting about Hatbox Ghost is you you definitely have to have a certain light level for the effect to play. And in, yeah. remember, in California, they have them. It's literally the moment you've come out of the attic before you, you know, and it's before you turn to go down to the graveyard. So when they made the decision that he would be placed in sort of the foyer of the endless hallway. Yeah. I guess that hasn't quite worked as well as they'd hoped. In fact, what's kind of interesting about this artwork it suggests that they're actually building a a door that's supposed to lead to the outside to help sort of light the figure from behind and then you know with the notion of the toggling back and forth you know the head in the cowl and the head then in the the hat box and i noticed that they have the ghost in this particular piece of concept art not directly in the middle of the infinity nope. hallway but nope. off to the side mm-hmm. yeah so i think they're running into uh maybe some uh light leakage there we go which there would ruin go. the effect in the the rest of the the uh the hallway eh. so anyway uh november of 2023 there you go the other date we have is december 5th 2023 and that's for epcot's new fireworks show luminous the symphony of us I wish I could take credit for whoever said this online, but to, to the effect, of, it's like Illuminations and Harmonious had a love child. <laughs> well, okay, number one, that's a great line. But number two, are you hearing that this is basically the return of Illuminations? Mm, well, like this, you know, number one, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Illuminations was replaced with Epcot Forever and then Harmonious, like when the announcement was made, mm-hmm. I had made peace with the fact that the 20 something year run of Illuminations was far longer than we deserved as human beings, right? <laughs> and that it was, you know, that that was as good as it could possibly get. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sad to see it go because, you know, 20 years is a good run and mm-hmm. it will always be in my heart. And now I'm thinking like, okay, bring it back. Fine with me. <laughs> like, okay, we w- you want to do Illuminations version five? Absolutely. I think the thing that's most interesting about this is the the note that persistently came back from Harmonious was the notion of, look, I, I, if I'm not in this 100-foot space between yeah. these two shops, I can't see the show you designed. And so yeah. what's interesting is that, and if you think about it, Illuminations played from wherever you were standing 
around World Showcase Lagoon. It yeah. was a great show if you were in China, if you were in Canada, you know, I mean... You could and, be in certain parts of Kissimmee and it sounded good. No, I mean, that's it, exactly. It, yeah. So to give them credit, it's like, okay, yeah. All right. that's the note. And so let's go back to form. I mean, yeah. at the same time, though, I, I you know, again, just kind of fascinated given what's going on with pyrotechnics and mm-hmm. lasers and, and that sort of thing. What this show is actually going to look like. My guess is it's going to be a lot more like Illuminations than anything else. And you know what? Like, that's that's fine. Uh, you know, they tried something before. It didn't work great. Like, my dad always used to say, you don't learn anything the second time you're kicked by a mule. Like, I'm, you know, okay. <laughs> like, I think that's absolutely, you know, if this is what they do for, for Luminous, yeah. absolutely, absolutely fine. And speaking of Epcot, mm-hmm. World Celebration will open uh, in Epcot. Disney says... In December of 2023. And Jim, this is where we start the segment of the, the news where mm-hmm. we go from believable to I would take the other side of that bet. Because I was in Epcot a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Yeah. And there are parts of the World Celebration buildings, Jim, that are still exposed steel studs. Yeah. Like where you can see all the way through the building. And it's late September, right? Yeah. Disney has what, 100, 105 days? If that. We're going to complete a building that has mm. been demolished. Yeah. We're going to fill the insides and have people in it in 105 days. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the enclosed performance space that's going into future world? Well, this is the thing. They haven't defined the words world celebration and mm. open. Mm. <laughs> like We all understand what December 2023 means, but like... Yeah. Are the if the walkways are open, does that count? Right. Uh, I, I think there's some leverage there. Like mm-hmm. I think Jim, you would agree with me that if it came down to a straight bet as mm-hmm. to whether those buildings would be complete mm-hmm. and occupiable in the next hundred days or not, everyone would take the or not side of that bet. I think you've actually nailed it. It's the effect of you will be able to, to walk, walk through, through yeah. World Celebration. Visit? No, no, no. But the construction site that we have known for 18 to 24 months at this point, you know, okay, you can now walk through it. And so right. you've got to at least embrace that. But yeah, I'll be interested to see when the actual performance space is open. Let's put it this way. If the buildings in World Celebration mm-hmm. that are currently exposed steel beams are done and open to the general public before December 31st, 2023, I will do an interpretive dance in the middle of a world celebration. Like, wow. and I will film it and put it online. Like, okay, I, it'll be a celebration of the opening of World Celebration. That's fine. Somewhere there's a, a Disney World executive. It's like <laughs> we're putting a second and third shift on this project. I want exactly. to see Len dance. Okay, exactly. Right. Right. Let's suspend the uh, the stock dividend so we can get this done. All right, there we go. Uh, last bit of things that have a definitive timeline mm-hmm. would be the uh, we're getting uh, Ahsoka mm-hmm. added to Star Tours at Hollywood Studios at Disneyland at Disneyland Paris in the spring of 2024. So this is piggybacking off of the success of the Disney Plus series mm-hmm. related to Ahsoka, uh, and that's that makes sense. Earlier, they have teased that also what we'll see with the new ride films that are being created for these, these three different versions of Star Tours. And by the way, what a point I, Tokyo, not joining the pile here, but it's also supposed to feature The Mandalorian, Grogu, mm-hmm. And likewise, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Yeah, basically all the characters that have been added in uh, in the streaming series, yeah. The whole notion is that 
you know, we're going with the the new stuff to get people to come to visit this attraction again. So, and speaking of new stuff, let's talk about the next item on the list there. Okay, before we uh, before we go into the next thing, Jim, this is the point in the in the news where we go from things that have a date to sort of wishful thinking. And I just want to remind all of our listeners that in the recent past, Disney's announced such things as a Mary Poppins attraction, a redo of Spaceship Earth, a complete redo of Epcot's Future World, and a, uh, a festival pavilion, none of which exist. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Okay. Right? Okay. All right. The next thing is uh, Country Bear Jamboree is going to get a new script and songs, and those will be Disney songs mm-hmm. in 2024. Also, uh, Liver Lips gets a new name to uh, Romeo McGrawl. Yeah. At the Destination D23 event this past weekend, they did give event attendees a poster for yep. this show, which, by the way, lists that it's, it's opening in, in 2024. But I mm-hmm. think, as Len, Len has previously pointed out, that means it could be opening December 31st of next year. What's interesting about what they talked about with this redo is that, again, as you mentioned, it's the characters in Grizzly Hall performing Disney songs, but in the style of various country western legends. Now, for example, mm-hmm. the, the image they have of Henry on the poster is him literally dressed as Hank Williams. You know, I mean, you oh. know, the white hat, the, the coat and such. Whereas Romeo uh, McGrowl, formerly known as Liverlips, he's got his Jerry Lee Lewis sort of blonde pompadour. So that's the gimmick of the show is, yes, you'll hear Disney standards, but again, done in the style of various artists over the past 70 years of country western music. The other thing I've heard is that what is currently the running time of the cut down version of the show? It's like 12 to 15 minutes ish. So maybe depending on whether you're counting like the load and load, but it's okay. It's remember they've, uh, they've already cut it down once. That's what I'm bringing up. Supposedly this new version of the show will be tighter than the cut down version. The notion, really? Well, again, the thinking is... In and out, baby, in and out. Get him in, get him out. Yeah, yeah. This comes on the heels of Tiana's Bayou Adventure. The thinking mm. is that oh, opens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are going to this side of the park. And also, there's a lot of family members who don't necessarily want to ride a flume ride. And right. so the notion is, okay, where can these people go? And if there's a brand new version of Country Bear that can suck up some of the people who are milling around in the area waiting for family members or or the sure. ones that are look at the line for Tiana and decide, no, let's find something else to do. I mean, if you're waiting for your uh, lightning lane time to arrive. And there we got, go. You know, there 15 we go. minutes. So that, that makes complete sense. I'm a mm-hmm. little disappointed that we're switching to Disney songs. Remember, there's the famous Bob Chapek story where somebody asked him about, you guys are taking the original IPs out of the the parks and you know constantly leaning into uh disney characters and it's mm-hmm. like look our competition if they had the same opportunity to use their characters in the park they do the same thing so this is literally it's like you know well come on there it's the country bears of course they're going to perform the bear necessities i get that i think you know the way that i looked at this was you know a, a number of ways one is you know part of me realizes that songs like uh, Mama Don't Whoop Little Buford, which is an actual country music song. It is. It is. They're all, they were, every every song played was an actual country music song. Mm -hmm. But that probably doesn't fly 
mm-hmm. in 2024, right? Because yeah. of this, and you know, "Blood on the Saddle." While it's mm-hmm. a great gag song, is probably yeah. not relevant. I get that, but mm-hmm. you can't tell me that there aren't modern country songs. Like, I would pay money if mm-hmm. I can't get Big Al mm-hmm. to sing Folsom County, <laughs> Folsom County Prison Blues, right? Like, <laughs> if I can't hear Big Al saying he shot him in and Reno just see him die, <sighs> I would love to hear Big Al singing um garth brooks friends in low places like like i would pay i would pay a lot of money to hear that and the fact that we can't hear it is you know is kind of sad they explored that plan in in the 80s and 90s in fact that there was a version of this show where you know i mean again to give you the time frame was talked about it was the notion of bringing in people like garth brooks and reba mcintyre to come in and sing and voice the classic characters and oh yeah no i mean i think garth brooks would be all over that like why wouldn't he like i I mean the other thing you know about this you know going with disney songs is you know i'm sure the accountants pointed out that you wouldn't have to pay royalties you know and it just it hurts me on the inside to think Mm -hmm. that that is actually part of the decision criteria Mm -hmm. for something like this but that's fine all right we'll move on anyway okay Mm mm-hmm all right. Next thing, uh, and this doesn't have a definitive time, is New Zootopia show for Tree of Life. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with this. Like mm-hmm. I long ago stopped going to the 3D movie at Tree of Life because it's the same thing. This is oh, yeah. overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited for this, but no, no clear date on it, right? No, no. Though the Clawhauser character, uh, the the overweight cheetah mm-hmm. character that we introduced in, in Zootopia, they, he they built an AA figure that actually factors into the the pre-show for the new Zootopia attraction. Oh, great. That's opening at Shanghai Disneyland. What's interesting is that AA figure is being repurposed. It's supposedly will sit in the theater in the same position where you now now Hopper is located and he'll effectively act as the host of the show. So fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think this is also a great chance for Disney to address concerns about the show being too scary for small children yep yep right yep. so i think we're gonna get a, get a two for here we're gonna get a new mm-hmm. 3d film which mm-hmm. is good because uh, we need to draw people from the edges of the park into the middle more so yeah if they can pull this off i think this is a win and especially mm-hmm. if they can make it more family friendly especially for small children mm-hmm. like that'd be a good thing right. i agree uh, next thing is uh, Disney teased a Pirates of the Caribbean lounge experience. It did. It did. And the concept art features mm-hmm. the, the Barker bird. Uh, yep, you know, the, the pirate. The, the, yeah. Oh, the pirate. Okay. Sorry. Yep. That supposedly he will be featured inside of this space, which I understand it is a, sort of a rethink and an enclosing of the Tortuga Tavern. Yes. Okay. That was my question to you. Like, is it Tortuga Tavern? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know yep. that Disney has struggled for decades mm-hmm. to put a viable dining concept mm-hmm. in Tortuga Tavern. And I think we all realize mm-hmm. there just isn't enough kitchen space for the yep. equipment needed mm-hmm. to make a good restaurant there. But by turning it into a lounge... Way better, yeah. Okay, so I think this is a, uh, I think this is a win-win. Um, my uh, my only concerns here are going to be around capacity because yep. this is going to be super incredibly popular, mm-hmm. you know, with lots of people. But I think theming-wise, it fits in. Mm-hmm. We all want more lounges in Walt Disney World. Tortuga Tavern going away is no loss at all. I'm excited for this thing. If you look at Tortuga Tavern and then you you pivot over to the redo of Country Bears. 
What's it? Uh, it yeah, yeah. So th- this is the interesting thing because Tortuga Tavern mm-hmm. is connected via hallway mm-hmm. to Pecos Bills. It is. So if you think about where Tortuga Tavern sits, like let's mm-hmm. say it's the six o'clock position on a watch, right? Mm-hmm. The two o'clock position is Country Bears. Right. The four o'clock position is Enchanted Tiki Room, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. But the ten o'clock position is Tiana's Bayou Adventure and Pecos Bills. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in this general area, right? There is. There is. And yeah. the Country Bear redo got not. It's a flashing green. Our, again, our, that we have our opening in 2024 date, but not a lockdown. Same thing with our, our Pirate Lounge. You know, could be 2024, could be 2025. But again, there could be people on that side of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Thirsty, thirsty people, Jim. They are. They are. <laughs> And Pecos Bill is that what I've basically been told is like, look, we're just standing back and now gathering data from from the with, open within the last ten days. Uh, Tiana's Palace at, at in Disneyland at yeah. Disneyland, and the notion is, if that does the business we think it's going to do out ahead of Tiana's Bayou Adventure, that we'll see a similar concept come to Florida. Now, I can, cannot guarantee. A revisit of Tiana's Palace. Yeah, I mean, Cal- the the dining preferences of Californians is probably not the dining preferences of the United States as a whole. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, fair. But so, just be aware that there's a lot going around Pecos Bill, and and yeah, just watch that space in the future, folks. And that side of the park in 2024 is just going to be. Uh. I mean, well, are they just going to give out hard hats to everyone who's going <laughs> west of Main Street? Is that? Here's your safety vest. Yeah. yeah. How to go through that battlefield. But you know what? If the end result is we get more better things, I'm, I'm all for it. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, face it. Five years down the line, we'll all be happy. It's just during this period of things changing. Exactly. <sighs> okay. All right. Uh, other news. Uh, Test Track will be reimagined with concepts from the original World of Motion. Jim, I did not see this coming. But... Uh, a couple of interesting things. The last mm-hmm. test track update was in 2012. Mm-hmm. So assuming Chevrolet had a 10-year contract, this is the right time for the next update. That makes sense, right? So that's exactly what's going on here. Okay, so let me ask you this thing. Though. We all believe, right, that with the last update in 2012, Disney was trying to tie that test track update to the release of the Tron sequel and Tron Uprising, mm-hmm. right? Because the uh, Tron Legacy came out in late 2010, mm-hmm. Tron Uprising ran actually during the last Test Track update, mm-hmm. and like you cannot convince me that mm-hmm. Disney did not tie the current Test Track theme to Tron. Like it's one of the the three conspiracy theories that I actually believe, <laughs> regardless of evidence. Right. Anyway, but like if that's the case, right, mm-hmm. then I think we can all agree that the last update did not move the needle no. in terms of Test Track's popularity. No, I mean, and, and I, think, I think that's the uh, the frustration. I mean, don't get me wrong. Chevrolet is to be applauded for, you know, all right, it's 10 years. They went, they went along with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the fact that when you think about how few long-term sponsors Disney has these days and the yeah. notion that Chevrolet was like, yep, let's update it. But I, I yeah. think the, the very thing of it speaks volumes about where Epcot is right now and in its new state of becoming, the notion mm-hmm. of let's lean into the horizons or, or is it a world of motion or horizons? What are they, they saying? I, th- gonna- I think they said world of motion. Okay. But, you know, if they, if they picked horizons, mm-hmm. I think I would feel the same way. I think the thing that strikes me about the current 
version of Test Track is there are no memorable scenes in it. It's basically all like shiny LEDs yeah. and, and lasers and stuff, right? Yeah. But there's no catchy song. Mm-hmm. There's no scene where, you know, you can point and laugh. Because mm-hmm. there's there's no real visuals, right? Other than no. other than uh, lighting effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Disney does those things really well. Like there's no story, there's no narrative, which is weird mm-hmm. that Disney doesn't have those because they do them really well. I mean, I think the other, the things that, um, that people are going to remember from the ride right now mm-hmm. are either the part that goes outside where you go really fast or the fact that it breaks down a lot, right? <laughs> and like, well, they said, you yeah, know, yeah. But, but you're not wrong. The inside of the building is, is a lot of empty calories. It's just, you know, it's yeah. like you are going by show scenes, but I'll be damned, Len, if I could tell you what any of them were before you burst outside and then get up to 65 miles an hour and do your victory lap, you know. Yeah, our, and that's and, it. So I think, you know, this gives Disney a chance to rethink the whole ride narrative, mm-hmm. to build an actual story, and then to maybe work on the reliability part while mm-hmm. I ride it. Yep. Absolutely mm-hmm. fine with that. Yeah. So that's, I, you know, it's a win. Yep. All right. Uh, other news. Uh, Disney um, previewed the Encanto and Indiana Jones for Dinoland mm-hmm. makeover mm-hmm. to Tropical Americas at Animal Kingdom. And there's a lot going on in this concept art, right? So we're basically turning the Dinoland attraction into a Central American pyramid. Yeah. In fact, what's been explained to me is that, you know, look at the height of that structure and remember Mm. where it's being built, which means that as you're coming in from, you know, I mean, hell, when you're pulling into the parking lot, you'll see this. You'll see see it from the Oasis and from the parking lot. That's right. Looming up over that corner of the park and it'll Mm. it'll drive guests in that direction. Not only that, but it'll be the closest of the big things that you can see because, uh, well, maybe Pandora, maybe some of the floating mountains, but it's definitely be closer than... uh, um, Expedition Everest is so. Yeah, to your point, it will draw mm-hmm. draw traffic there. Yeah. Now the other thing worth noting out of this concept art is if you do the overlay to the pre-existing Chester and Hester's and Dinoland USA. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, Chester and Hester's Dinorama, the retail space, is in this art. Likewise, Restaurantosaurus is in this art. So if if you look at where Indy is, that's the dinosaur the ride building. So this is a redo, you know, in kind of the the grand tradition of, you know, what the hell Disney did with how many different versions of Tomorrowland have they done in yeah. uh, California where the, the exact same building stood in the exact same place, only the facades changed? Yeah, I think, I think that's where I got into this when I was looking at the concept art, which is an aerial, mm-hmm. like three-quarters side view. Mm-hmm. It was easy enough to figure out, like, okay, this is where Restaurantosaurus is. There we go. This is where Dinoland is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, yeah, Chester's and Hester's is still there because they, the walking paths don't look like they're going to change that much. No. But I will note that where Primeval World and that mm-hmm. area are now or where the where the ride used to be mm-hmm. that's turning from concrete to landscaped area so that's going to be a win in yep. and of itself right there like that's a that's enough of a reason to do this mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah yep. mm-hmm. so but here's my here's my sort of concern with the dinosaur thing becoming indiana jones i think indiana jones in in animal kingdom mm-hmm. sort of fits like mm-hmm. i can i can squint my eyes and see it and we all know like that the ride system for dinosaur is very similar to the one oh, absolutely. used absolutely absolutely right? yeah mm-hmm but I think the concern that I have is one that a lot of theme park fans will have, and that's that there's a temptation to take the cheapest, easiest route here mm-hmm. and just copy the Disneyland Indiana Jones ride for Animal Kingdom, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that would be disappointing. For one thing, the Disneyland ride is 30 years old. 
It is. And and a lot of theme park fans have already been on it. Mm-hmm. So like there'd be little reason to make a special trip to Florida to ride it mm-hmm. because you've already been on it. Like I'm 100% sure I would not ride it more than once because I've already experienced it both as Indiana Jones and then as Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. It also wouldn't address the ride's major faults, which is that it's too jarring, it's too scary, and too loud for families. And now remember, Bruce Vaughn came through the door in March of this year as the new yep. head of Imagineering. And, and in fact, I know you're going to be talking about Beyond Big Thunder <laughs> It's Thunderbolt. literally the, the next bullet so, item in the show so notes. We'll, we'll, we'll hold off on talking about that. But the evidently it was Bruce uh, who came through and looked at the, uh, the original plan for what they were developing for this side of Animal Kingdom, which remember was mm-hmm. Zootopia going into the dinosaur building mm-hmm. and then a Moana area being built where Dino Land USA was being built. And these things, it's peanut butter and sardines, you know, just so yeah. we... we you know, we need things that fit together better. And, you know, he was the one who actually looked at the, the original plan for Beyond a Big Thunder. And, well, you know, we got the Encanto area there. That's mm-hmm. South America, and we have Indy. And it's like, this is more peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and chocolate. And we, we celebrate regions of the world in this park, Africa, Asia, that sort of thing. This can give us the uppermost part of southern Central America, that sort of thing. They're actually talking about this as tropical Americas, which is a part of the, of the Earth's geography that we don't have in the park. So that's good. Uh, talking with, with, with friends at, at Imagineering, they, they pointed out, Encanto was supposedly set in Colombia, and the opening of Indiana, the original Raiders film, is set in Peru. Literally two countries that abut one another. I see, Americans aren't great at geography. You can call them the same country, and that's fine. One wrinkle on the story, though, is this idea was set in motion Mm. before Dial of Destiny opened in theaters and seriously underperformed. Yeah, there's still a lot of love for the franchise, though. There is. There is. But I I have to tell you that, again, you still have to go to the board and you still have to get several hundred million dollars to build a temple that's big enough to see from the parking lot. That's harder to do where, you know, we are at the tail end of Dial of Destiny's time in theaters and the company is looking at 150 to 200 million dollar write down on Indy. I mean, it's possible that they uh, that if they put it on streaming, it's only there uh, long enough to juice subscriptions, Maybe. but not long enough to have to pay out royalties to anyone on the back end. Ultra, ultra, which is what they're what they're doing. Yeah, but I mean, I think to your point, right? If I'm the board, I would basically list the same arguments that I just made mm-hmm. that nobody wants a clone of a 30 year old ride that's not no. going to drive attendance. But mm-hmm. but if you think about like what they're doing, if they come up with a completely different story, right? If they tune the ride down a bit, which would make it more family-friendly and draw mm-hmm. more guests, that's out of the park. They come up with a completely new story with new effects like projection mapping. Like they, if they did projection mapping like they do at Mystic Manor, mm-hmm. and maybe some new ride paths and give people a reason to visit, that's how they make their money back You know, on that. Not only that, but if you can draw people to that side of the park – Think about how much pressure it takes off of Pandora and Kilimanjaro oh, no, safaris. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, you know, again, to sort of pivot back to the Encanto portion, if you look at, I mean, you are in most of that area, you know, is being reimagined as the village at the bottom of the hill up from the casita where the, yeah. the Madrigal family and, was. And that addresses like any kid, any, any eight-year-old that wants to go to Disney, completely mm-hmm. addressed. But Disney doesn't is not doing a great job marketing to teens. No. That's where they, you know, they tend to go to Universal. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, if they can make this, if they can tone it down, you know, a little bit, but still make it good for teens, yeah. you have a park ops mm-hmm. plus because now you're distributing traffic, traffic more evenly. You've got a marketing plus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff potentially addressed in mm-hmm. doing this particular attraction the right way. And I hope they don't take the cheap and easy way out. Remember when Josh DeMauro was standing on stage talking about, you know, that the, the billions, billions are going to be spent at these resorts. So, All right. Uh, last thing, uh, you mentioned Bruce Vaughn before, but Bruce mm-hmm. uh, in this presentation said that uh, beyond Big Thunder Mountain, the expansion of the Magic Kingdom uh, will be the largest ever for the park. So we went back and looked for a reference. The last big expansion was New Fantasyland that added 26 acres to the Magic Kingdom, bringing it from 107 to 133. Mm -hmm. So let's say that this is going to be 30 acres for beyond Big Thunder Mountain. That's a 22% increase in the size of the park. Yep. That's huge. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Not for nothing, like... I mean, this is the kind of project Mm -hmm. that Bruce Vaughn was brought back for. The overlays, yeah, like the overlays, the the updates to existing attraction. That's not why Mm -hmm. Disney wanted Bruce. And it's definitely not why Bruce came back to imagine. He came back for things like this, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing I'm hearing is still firmly in place is the land celebrating the Disney villains, which 100%. 100 percent which will be built next to the haunted mansion (laughs) but the other elements of this redo which will go again you know around the rivers of america from beyond big thunder over to mansion still very much in play so absolutely but jim can you imagine Mm -hmm. the halloween parties if there's a villain's lint like you could actually sell two halloween parties you could sell a trick Mm -hmm. halloween party and a treat Halloween party on the same night in the same park. And I went to the Halloween party and I enjoyed it, right? Mm, but can yep. you imagine uh, the amount of money that they would make from a villain's land? Oh my God. Uh, All right. Brilliant idea, really. But again, check goes to Testa, folks. Check goes to Testa. <laughs> All right. We've got time for some uh, listener questions here, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's from Holly Kesterson, who said, uh, I just wanted to set a quick note of thanks for mentioning the new Play, Stay, mm-hmm. and Enjoy Disney Dining promo card mm-hmm. at Walt Disney World during last week's podcast. I hadn't heard about it, but by moving our February trip two days earlier, we were able to save a few dollars on the same vacation package and get a $720 gift card for food. I am absolutely giddy. You and Jim are the best. Oh, oh thank you so much, Holly. That's fantastic. Day, Okay. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this email from Rich Howard, who says, mm-hmm. I love the show and I really appreciate the time you have to answer our trip planning question. Mm-hmm. My family and I are headed out on our first trip to Disneyland in late January. That's the 22nd through the 25th mm-hmm. of 2024. And we're putting together our touring plan. With the announcement of the expanded queue at Haunted Mansion, and the discussion with Jim on the mm. September 4th Disney Dish, what are your thoughts on if the mansion will be up and running during our trip, either the holiday or the classic version? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, normally, Jim, you'd think that all the holiday stuff would come down mm-hmm. like the first week of January, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this year, mm-hmm. Disneyland extended the holiday overlay at mansion by three weeks mm-hmm. to run through January 30th. And this is significant. Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. again, I you know, remember 70% of the folks who go, go to Disneyland are locals, you know, come yeah. from, from like 100 miles away. 
locals, particularly Southern California locals, are kind of forgiving about, okay, mansion is closed for a couple of weeks while I'm here, but I know they're changing to Haunted Mansion Holiday, and I will right. come back. And But yeah, extending a Haunted Mansion Holiday till the end, or damn near the end of January, that tells you how long it looks like the mansion's going to be down for this new extended queue work for the gardens, and likewise yeah. the construction of, uh, you know... Whatever Memento Mori is called out west, right? Yeah. I have actually heard that 2024 may be the year without the mansion. That it's entirely possible that it won't reopen. This is how ambitious this project is and how difficult it will be to build in this particular space of the park. It's entirely possible that when it reopens, we'll, it may be a, a, a year later in January of 2025, and they will just walk straight into the classic mansion. But again, on the other side of that, we'll get that wonderful new extended queue with the garden. Likewise, we'll get the carriage house with all of the cool merch. But again, it's going to come at a cost, folks, and, and mansion could be down for a damn near full year. Yeah, so this is, you know, this is what I, you know, what I was you know, telling Rich, like, it's a good news, bad news situation, right? The bad news is Haunted Mansion is probably not going to be open for your trip, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The good news is, though, Rich, and I would I would definitely use this line of argument with uh, with whoever's interested, but it is the perfect excuse to plan another trip mm-hmm. to Disneyland in 2025. So, you know, got to look at the bright side of things. Yeah. yeah. Here's open. Okay. All right. Uh, our friend Adrian Vinzuli writes mm-hmm. in with a follow-up to our question last week about whether Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique was on the Disney Cruise Line ships. And I think we said we were, but we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. And Adrian writes in and says, you know, a couple hundred dollars in stateroom charges tells me the answer is yes. <laughs> our 10-year-old saved money, researched all of the available options, Aww. and had our makeover on the Dream during our transatlantic sailing this past May. Mm-hmm. The very godmothers actually shared that they had capacity to do up to 96 reservations per day. Yeah, so Jim, you, I mean, let's let's make the math easy and call okay. it, you know, yeah. and call it a hundred reservations a day All right. at three hundred bucks a pop. Oof. You're talking about thirty grand just from the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. That's per day. Wow, per okay. day. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And actually, that's not the only email we got for, from the Vanzuli family because mm-hmm. Emily wrote in with this. Okay. Uh, uh, of course, it's outdated and cheesy and whatever else you want to say, but there's also nothing that brings up my Disney childhood nostalgia like the Main Street Electrical Parade. Mm-hmm. This music was my favorite record as a small child, and I'd run around our family room in circles listening to it. Mm-hmm. As a preteen, I went to a special passholder event at Disneyland, and the only thing I remember from that night was the headline feature of getting to see and touch an electrical parade float and even look inside of the controls. Wow. All right, so uh, so Emily continues. Disney makes money off of adult nostalgia. Mm-hmm. We aren't huge parade people, but at Walt Disney World, we'll always stop for the electrical parade. Mm-hmm. We would absolutely consider another trip next year instead of letting our passes lapse. Uh, and then she says, look, if we're talking about nostalgia, the Tiki Room is objectively terrible and a wee bit culturally offensive, mm-hmm. but I still have a deep soothing of my soul whenever I sit down and hear the music start. Mm-hmm. It's more than just the air conditioning. <laughs> Long live the electrical parade. So, so Jim, as yep. I was reading that mm-hmm. letter, mm-hmm. the image in my mind is of Disney's marketing team listening to the show mm-hmm. just as they're sitting down for lunch 
and then jumping up and running to their laptops with small crustless sandwiches and paper and interns flying everywhere where they're trying to write down everything Emily said uh, <laughs> to use in, in future marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she definitely understands, again, the, the, the adult nostalgia aspect. Well, why we keep returning to this place? Though, uh, that said, have you seen... The new version of the electrical parade that debuted at the Tokyo Disneyland, where it's it's the classic floats, only reimagined with new lighting effects and new animation, and they're stunning. I, I just, Are they? yeah, and it's just one of these no. things where it's like, guys, can you take a look at what they're doing in Tokyo? Because you brought if you brought this stateside, people would throw money at you. Uh, those are the words that uh, Disney marketing wants to hear, right? There you go. There you go. All right, Jim, our last uh, letter is from Paul Matheson, which, to make it sound more authoritative, Mm -hmm. I'm calling a reading from Paul's letter to the Phoenicians. (laughs) Okay. And Paul says, before I tell you my crazy idea, whenever I start a sentence with, I have a crazy idea, my wife cringes because 99.44% of the time they're idiotic, Mm -hmm. but that 0.56% of the time they're really good. Here goes. A rocketeer-themed flying coaster built over Autopia. Disney could use a few more thrill rides. The Rocketeer aesthetic works perfectly in Tomorrowland. A prone flying style coaster could work with the Rocketeer if the restraint looks like his arms are holding you in front of him. And if you build it over Autopia, it would provide much needed shade. The huge amount of real estate for Autopia does double duty, and you could get a 1920s era Los Angeles freeway retheme. All right, so uh, so Jim, before we talk about Paul's idea, let's pause a second yep. for all of the Disney Imagineers who jumped up out of their chairs to find a pencil mm-hmm. and paper. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you hit the rewind 15 seconds button a couple times on your phone, you will get back to where <laughs> Paul's letter started. All right, mm-hmm. go ahead, Jim. First and foremost, Paul, go take a look up on YouTube and look at the Jetpacks attraction mm. that was built for Shanghai Disneyland's Tomorrowland. And yeah. they have kind of eyeballed this very thing you are talking about. For those of us who remember the summer that the Rocketeer came out, you could go to Disney MGM and watch their nighttime fireworks show from the Chinese theater, Sorcery in the Sky, and they literally would stop the show as it was originally created for a moment where suddenly the spotlight would come up and the Rocketeer is standing in front of the building and he'd press his button and he'd fly off over the theater. Now, mind you, immediately the light went out so you didn't see the practical effect that was pulling it off, but it was cool. And Disney clearly has some interest in revisiting the Rocketeer. They, they, for example, yeah. we, we had the uh, the Rocketeer series that debuted on Disney Junior, I want to say in 2019. Ran for just mm-hmm. one season. But yeah, there is interest in this franchise. But over Autopia, that, and he's not wrong. That's that's an no. interesting, underutilized piece of real estate. I mean, it's a, it's a good way to build two attractions in one space, too. That's not a bad idea at all. It is. It is. So, again, you know, they, they, we've sent a number of folks at Disney corporate scurrying today. So <laughs> We've done our part here, Joe. Yeah, our work is done. All right. So there we yeah, go. And our so. listeners have done have done uh, yeoman's work here. So this is fantastic. This is true. So, All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim and I talk about the history of Alani, mm-hmm. including opening during the pandemic and current day with some special guests. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, folks, I travel a lot. I work on the unofficial guide series of books. Uh, I run the Touring Plans Travel Agency nominally. So I get around quite a bit. But even so, with all the places that I've been to, I still want to be Jerry Brown when I grow up. Jim, do you want to give a partial listing of where Mr. Brown and his lovely bride of 50 years, Paula, have been just in the past year or so? I, honestly, and it'd probably be easier to list where they haven't been. Uh, in, look, in, Antarctica? <laughs> no, actually, Antarctica is on the list, all right? Really? I mean, Brazil, Budapest, the United Kingdom, Norway, Iceland, France, Madagascar. You know, so Svalbard. I, 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 you forgot Svalbard. You know where that is? Oh, there we go. So, in the, and that's just in the past year? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, and not only that, the Browns are still on the move. Uh, this coming Saturday, they, they get on a plane, they go to Japan, and... This trip will reportedly include an extended stop at Tokyo Disneyland. All right. Well, that's why we have uh, Jerry, a former Disney cast member, on the show today. Well, he's been traveling around the globe. He's also made frequent stops at various Disney parks and resorts. And among them is Alani, which, for anyone who's listened to the show before, I think is Disney's very best resort. Jerry, welcome to the show. You were at Alani right after it first opened, right? Because it, it opened in August of 2011, and you were there when? We were there in actually in November of, of uh, 2011. Just Paul and I uh, decided to make a, uh, a trip, the two of us. And at that point, the, uh, the resort was still quite a bit under construction. Uh, uh, the uh, only rooms that were open were the, the, the two buildings that were quite next to the lobby and the, the rest of the buildings that jut out toward the sea. If you've ever been there, you know, it's like a horseshoe. Those were yeah. still behind boards, and the only way we could get to see any of it was we had to uh, had to book a tour, and they took us, and we got to see what the two bedrooms and the uh, and the grand villas would look like and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, it was kind of interesting to uh, to be there at that point when it was just just kind of finding its uh, its footing, if you will. Uh, but during your tour, you see another tour being uh, led around the site. Yeah, true story, as Len would say. Uh, uh, <laughs> At, at Olani, uh, even now, uh, they give tours of the uh, of the resort because when Disney plans a resort, there's always a story behind it. You know, uh, every right. every rock practically uh, there's a story behind it, and uh, so you can uh, book a tour with a, a tour guide uh, or a, a cast member at Olani, and they take you through different areas of the resort. We're in the lobby, and they're pointing out the different pictures that are up above in the lobby and how the lobby's constructed. And as she's talking, in comes Joe Rohde, who is the Imagineer. He was the lead Imagineer on the design of uh, of Alani, as, as well as Animal Kingdom and whatnot. I mean, his name is, I think, a, might be familiar to a lot of your listeners. 
But uh, so we see him basically giving the same tour, we presume probably to a bunch of execs or VIPs or something, not, not you know, hoi polloi like us. But we sort of stood there and listened to hear what he was saying about that and see if we glean anything else. Well, it was kind of interesting that, you know, he was there early on, too, to, to see how things were going and to, to explain about why things were built the way they were. And what, uh, what was Alani like? when it was first built? Because I think I think my first trip was like 2017 and a number of things had already changed mm-hmm. by then, right? Yeah. Uh, early on, of course, besides the resort not being fully open with rooms, uh, all the restaurants were opened. But some of the things you have now, there is a, there is a new pool, a grotto pool, and uh, uh, there, is a, uh, there, was a, there was an exclusive adult pool near the spa. And there was a stingray pool where you could actually go in there and pet some stingrays and whatnot. Uh, not the uh, not in the cove, but an actual pool with stingrays. Yeah, it's it's now a splash pad for kids. Another splash. Oh, pad. interesting. Again, classic Disney. They open the hotel, and the guests tell them how they actually wanted to use the space. And so you had this like a quiet pool for adults, and and it just yeah. quickly became obvious that we need more stuff for kids and families. So you know that a lot of that went away, and the, we then got the Wailoa Valley area that's just crammed with kid related stuff but that they uh, len they started that project i think the the hotel or the resort had only been open a year and a lot of that was up and running by the fall of 2013 yeah just in a couple of years a a lot of big changes there Um, interesting story my uh, daughter and her husband went there on their honeymoon in uh, 2012 Uh, by then i think uh, they were staying in one of the, the main towers that was open but in the middle of the night she hears this voice in her room and she turns to her husband and says, honey, somebody's in the room with us. And it was the fire alarm. Apparently. Wait, uh, the the fire alarm talks to you? That talks to you rather than just a a chirping or whatnot. It says, uh, there is a fire emergency. Please evacuate. And they had to walk down 11 stairs as it was. It was, it was a, uh, uh, yeah, 11 flights of stairs. But uh, as it was, it was, I think, something in the kitchen or something. You know, it was, a, it was a, you know, you wouldn't say false alarm, but it wasn't the severe thing. But they had to walk back up the 11 uh, flights in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, think, I think hearing voices in the middle of the night would startle me more than the fire alarm itself. Like I would be more scared if I hear talking than if I heard an alarm. Yeah. But I know Amazing. by that time, the... Uh, uh, you know, they, they, I think they'd already shut down this stingray pool. And like you say, they opened more things. One key thing they opened, when they first opened, they hardly had any quick service. They had mm. a signature restaurant, Alma Alma. They had a buffet, Makahiki. They had, of course, a few bars, a pool bar and whatnot. But literally, all they had was a little window called One Paddle, Two Paddle, where you could pick up <laughs> quick service food. So quickly on, they decided to, they took one of the grand villas at the end of um, one of these towers and the ground floor one, they converted it into a quick service restaurant. So that, now they have a much, much fuller quick service experience. And uh, Oh, that's smart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, it seems typical with DVC because I think the units have kitchens and whatnot. I think maybe they figure people are do more cooking and they don't want quick food. If they want to eat, they'll go to a restaurant. And if they want to have quicker stuff, they'll do it themselves, which, you know, to be honest with you, an exit down, there is a Costco and there's a Target. And uh, when yep. we've stayed at uh, bedrooms, we've taken advantage of that, uh, you know, to uh, uh, be able to cook our own and uh, and do so 
relatively inexpensively. I mean, Hawaii is more expensive than uh, yeah, Hawaii's expensive. Yeah, but there are ways to save. There are ways to save. My most recent trip to Alani was December of 2019, so right before COVID, and I left the resort in seven days. I left it exactly twice. One of those was to go to one of those was to go to Foodland to get some food too. Yeah, Foodland's a lot of fun. All right. Well, COVID's in the news again with uh, you know the recent resurgence and with some new vaccines out. By the way, uh, I've learned you should definitely get the vaccine. You should absolutely not refer to it as the latest Windows update. Apparently, that's a sensitive topic. Um, but back during the pandemic, you guys actually went to Alani. What was that trip like? Well, uh, it was part of my family. Uh- at, during the height of the pandemic, actually, my wife was undergoing some uh, some cancer treatment, and so she wasn't able to travel. But it's fine because nobody could travel in 2020. We actually did have we were originally scheduled to um, be in Alani and be on a Disney cruise that was going from Oahu to Vancouver in 2020. But of course, what happened there? That got canceled. The whole state of Hawaii pretty well closed down, and then when it reopened, they had some quite a few restrictions in place, and. At Alani, it's, it's kind of a crossroads in the Pacific there, and it's very popular with Japanese tourists. And as a matter of fact, most vacation club members will know that, and if you know about vacation club, you buy points and you can use those points whenever you want. Right. A lot of typical timeshares, other uh, places, you have to buy a specific week and a specific type of unit, and that's where you're going to stay uh, during that week. Well, Alani was the first vacation club, Disney Vacation Club Resort, that offered that mainly because the Japanese have what they call Golden Week. And a lot of those wanted that specific week tied and locked down for them. And Golden Week is like a national holiday where everyone takes off, right? Oh, pretty much all of uh, Japan closes down except for tourist destinations and hospitality. Sure. And everybody goes on vacation. Yeah, exactly. And when, it, when is Golden Week next year? It's, it's early in the year, right? It starts April 29th and ends May 4th. And Jerry, who went with you on this uh, trip uh, in uh, in 2021? Well, actually, like I say, Paula and I didn't go, but uh, my grandson Elijah went with uh, his uh, father, Nate. Nate is, uh, is a cast member. And at that time, Olani, it was kind of slow to be picking up again, a lot of it because of the lack of the Japanese tourists and whatnot. And uh, oh. so they made some cast member rates, uh, some super cast member rates available. And Nate uh, took my grandson, his son Elijah, and his family there during the height of the pandemic. So Elijah, you might uh, be able to tell him more about that. This is my grandson Elijah. Yeah, let's welcome uh, Nate and Elijah into the uh, show. Uh, Elijah, had you been to Alani prior to this trip? So I had gone uh, back in 2018. My grandparents were nice enough to uh, bring me like a surprise trip to Hawaii as kind of an early graduation <laughs> gift. Um, I wasn't able to, to stay in Alani, um, unfortunately, just because of a. Uh, um, like the golden week, like my grandfather was saying. Yeah. It's um, too booked up. Yeah. We yeah. just couldn't get. But see, so yeah, I had, I had gone uh, prior to COVID, which is really nice. But then during the, the height of the pandemic, my father and I uh, and some family had gone. Um, and it was a very, very different experience to what I had seen originally. And what was that like? Just getting to Hawaii, uh, very hectic. So um, whenever you book kind of the, uh, <clears throat> the flights and everything, uh, you're bombarded with uh, many, many emails about a safe travel Hawaii, which is kind of their protocol to get people to Hawaii uh, for tourism. Right. The EU had something similar with uh, you needed uh, you needed tests within a certain amount of time, I think. And there was like uh, for the EU, there's an official app, right? Was this was this similar? 
This was this was very very similar. So okay. they had a uh, you had to get a specific type of COVID test uh, 24 hours ahead of traveling. It was it wasn't one of those like rapid ones. It was a very um, it was one of the more like strenuous ones. I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. But I remember we had to travel like an hour out of our way to go to a, a specific Walgreens to get this test. And then after your test is complete, uh, you get a little QR code. And so whenever you would get to your terminal, uh, they'd scan that QR code and say, okay, you're good to go over to your gate. Once you're at the gate, you'd have to show the QR code again, and they would give you a yellow wristband, which you, you better hope you don't lose because uh, you'll need that through the entire trip, basically. Oh, really? You had to keep the wristband on the entire trip? Well, I meant like the entire like travel to Hawaii. I shouldn't say the whole trip, okay. but uh, okay, like okay. the the travel there. And so we had a, a couple behind us, unfortunately, who they had gotten a a COVID test, but it was a little past that twenty four hour mark, uh, and they were not able to uh, fly to Hawaii that day, or maybe maybe in the future. But on that flight, they didn't make it. And then so then oh, whenever we get to Hawaii, wow. everyone have to like you know raise their hands above their heads, and they'd have to verify. Okay, everyone has this yellow wristband. You're going to get off the flight. Wow. And then what was uh, what was Alani like once you got there? It was, it was very different from when I had gone originally. It was still very, very fantastic. I was happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed like it was mostly cast members and their family there. I know, like my, uh, my grandfather had said originally, it was a lot of like Japanese tourism and it was very mixed. But this just seemed like it was a lot of like, a lot of cast members and a lot of Americans first times able to travel since COVID. So it was kind of their big like, okay, let's, let's go take a vacation finally. Um, but it was, you know, just kind of as you'd expect with COVID, there's a lot of, like the plexiglass everywhere. Um, your masks had to be on throughout the entire resort unless you were in your room or like actively in the pool. There was a few things that were different. The uh, the entire kiddie pool area, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was, uh, it was all shut down, unfortunately. And a hoodie bridge. That's it. Thank you. That's what it was. And then the um, one of the restaurants, Ama Ama, uh, had kind of changed a little bit. So now it was more of just pre-made takeaway meals instead of a full like sit down experience. And then uh, Japan was still in lockdown, right? So there were no, or probably very few Japanese tourists, right? That That's correct. Yeah. I, I don't remember seeing very many, if any at all, actually. All right. And then you guys have been back since then, right? Yeah. We had a trip in 2022. The, uh, the cruise that had been canceled in 2020 got rescheduled in 2022. And we had actually been on a previous cruise in 2015 that went from Oahu to Vancouver. Uh, yeah, it was it was a wonderful trip. But uh, in 2015, we had intended to stay at Aulani, but it was booked up. We, we simply could not get in. So before our cruise, our Disney cruise, we stayed at uh, some hotel we found in Waikiki. But it was that trip that my wife and I decided, well, if we want to do this again, we need to get some Aulani points so we can have that 11-month booking window. <laughs> so we That's bought, how to get you, Jerry. So we That's bought, how to get you. <laughs> we bought a DVC contract for Aulani in, uh, in there. And so then we had those points to use when the uh, cruise came up again in 2022 and we were able to book it. We used those points to uh, to book a stay in uh, June of 2022 uh, or no, in May of 2022, I think it was before the before the cruise. And uh, at that time, again, the resort was just before we went, they did away with this safe Hawaii, safe travel plan. We had started doing it. We started uploading our stuff, but like within a week or two before our trip, they said, no, you don't need that. Come come to home. We're happy to see you. So we didn't have to go through all of that stuff that Elijah did. We were prepared to do it, but they had dropped it. When we got to Aulani, still some things that uh, that weren't there. Like she said, Ama Ama wasn't fully open. The Makahiki, which had been a buffet 
like a lot of space has gone to like family style service and whatnot. Uh, I don't believe the spa was fully open. I think it was open, but uh, you know, some of those close contact things, they, uh, they sort of uh, stayed away from, but, but some of the things that weren't open, I think, I don't know if it was, they were still concerned about uh, COVID so much as they just couldn't get the staff. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough to get the people to be able to be able to run everything you did, but they still offered those things that, um, Oh, at Alani that made it kind of special that uh, like you could get ukulele lessons. And matter of fact, one of our members so loved that she went home and bought an ukulele. One of the lines that Laurel and I trade with each other just as like a, you know, an inside joke is comes from Alani and it's uh, refers to the thing that you just talked about. And the line that we, we trade with each other is, and you have to say it by the way, apropos of nothing, like you just have to blurt it out while you're doing something else. But the line is, it's pronounced ukulele. <laughs> like, you know, you just be walking down the street, just turn to Laurel and be like, it's pronounced ukulele. And you know where that comes from, what that, what that means? Ukulele is actually means a dancing flea. Is it? Okay, I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because, because apparently the fingers, as they moved along the frets, looked like dancing fleas to the Hawaiians. All right. Because it was actually introduced by the Portuguese. Oh, well, there you go. So, this cultural moment brought to you by. All right. That's my nickname back in high school. Ukulele or Dancing Flea? <laughs> dancing <laughs> Flea. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. But they had hula, hula lessons, which I wasn't particularly good at. And they also had, uh, oh, you could uh, make lays and, you know, some of the things with more charge than they. But one thing that was really odd when, when we were first there, they had a stargazing thing. They, right. It was basically a cast member that would take you down at night to the beach and she'd bring up Google Star Map and hold her phone up there and say, yeah, there's that star and there's that yeah. star. Uh, and it was just a freebie. Now there's a charge for it. So I don't know if they have more sophisticated equipment or have telescopes or something. But now if you want to do the stargazing, uh, it is a uh, it's a paid thing, uh, a pay, pay to play thing. Yeah. I will say the uh, when I when I first went to Maui, we did go to the top uh, uh, of one of the mountains, you know, to the observatory. And if you haven't done it, yeah, if you haven't done it. It is the most amazing view of the universe you're ever going to see with your natural eyes. In fact, it was so vivid standing at the top of the mountain. I actually got vertigo from looking because you can see the dust clouds. I mean, it's that it's that clear. It looks like a picture. Yeah. Elijah, you were you were also there, right? What um, what other things were going on with uh, with guests? The the two main things I saw that were different from when I had uh, gone during COVID was they had um, they brought back the uh, the character meet and greets, which I actually didn't even know they had to begin with. So that was, that was a big surprise for me, but definitely a welcome one. Um, mm. And the other big thing is they brought back something called Auntie's Beach House, which is it's kind of like Alani's um. version of like a kids club. I I did not partake in that, uh, but there were a few members of our family who absolutely loved that. Um, but those are kind of the two big things I had noticed that were uh, brought back post-COVID. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's uh, that's a, a great activity for uh, for kids. And I think I've actually done stuff in Andy's Beach House because that's where they have like games and stuff. Yeah, I believe so. Well. I believe so. I say, I think the, oh, the adults loved it even more. Karaoke. Because it was a, a bit of a time away from all the young ones. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Jerry, what else did you guys do while you were in Hawaii? Well, uh like I say, in the, in this year, in 2023, yeah. uh, we brought the whole family. We actually brought uh, uh, all of our kids and their significant others and family. So we had a, actually two rooms. We had a two-bedroom and a studio and a total of, I think, 13 people wow. were there. Are you taking applications to join the Brown family? Because I uh, we can put that URL in the show notes. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we've got to figure out how much we want to charge for it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, actually, you mentioned it. You said you, you want to be me when you grow up, but the key is don't grow up. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, word, words of wisdom there. Yeah, there you go. But so, yeah, we just uh, uh, spent, again, a lot of our time at Alani. Mm -hmm. But uh, some of the family uh, climbed Diamond Head, which we had done before yeah. with a line. That's fun. And I'm getting kind of too old for some of that stuff, I guess. Uh, but uh, but wonderful. And talk about a view. Wonderful up there. We also went to the uh, Dole Plantation, uh, which, again, is it is a real touristy thing, but it's fun. It's an awful lot of fun. And they make Dole Whips there. And... <laughs> Well, they they grew the Dole Whips there, right? If I if I understand oh, yeah. my my they, agriculture they, correctly, yeah. They spring out of the ground, except they have to refreeze them because it's too warm in Hawaii. You know? Exactly, exactly. But, uh, they actually have the they call it the world's largest hedge maze at the Dole Plantation, where you uh, you have these little things and you seek out within the hedge different goals and 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 uh, right that you've been there. Actually, some people do it for time. And you can upload your time, uh, download their app, <laughs> upload your time. And, no, we weren't interested in doing that. Uh, we were just more interested in getting lost. And uh, one of our members had a, had a hot air balloon, so we could, or you know, a, a helium balloon. She was pulling around, so we could say, "Oh, there's where Linda is." <laughs> and so that kind of helped us a little bit, but. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun for the kids. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, when you were there, you did the touristy stuff because a lot of attractions on, on why it rely on tourism. And in, in the wake of the fires on Maui last month, obviously terrible tragedy, 115 people dead and a thousand more missing, over 2,100 acres burned and 2,200 structures destroyed in Lahaina alone. But so a lot of people are hurting, but, but here's the real irony. Because people began saying, don't travel to Hawaii right now last month, Maui is still obviously recovering from those fires. But, but here's the thing, there's 136 other islands that make up the state of Hawaii, and those largely rely on tourism for income? Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we're, uh, we're trying to say here is it's still okay to go to vacation in Hawaii. They love and need your tourism dollars for the economy to run, but maybe just don't go to Maui. Yeah. And more to the point, be respectful, folks. Don't be an idiot and take a boat ride over to Maui and then park offshore and take pictures of the burned out portions of Lahaina. That, that's just classless and rude and disrespectful. Anyway, uh, thanks to Jerry and Elijah Brown for coming on today's show and talking about Alani the Disney Resort and Spa in Hawaii, and then telling us what this resort was like pre and post COVID. Thanks for having us. It was our pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Again, just to, to reiterate, you and Paula uh, leave this Saturday for Japan, right? And, and I think you mentioned you're, you're going to Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, absolutely. Uh, how, how can, how can you go to Asia and not? The reason we're going to Asia actually is that uh, um, that's the last continent remaining. Really? No. For, uh, okay. for us this year. Yeah. We went to, to Antarctica in February of 2023, and we're going to Australia in February of 2024. We'll be on the Disney Wonder, which goes from Australia back to Hawaii. Oh yeah! yeah. And so we were missing, we were missing Asia. So we decided we had to yeah yeah you, you haven't visited year. all seven continents in a year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, in a year. Well, yeah, the deprivation, Jerry. It's just amazing the self the self sacrifice there. It's a, it's a worthy goal, you know. Quick question though. We're doing a show for season two of Disney Impact, our new video series about whales and squids in the Disney parks. And no one can tell us if there's a giant squid in the 20,000 Leagues ride at, at Tokyo Disney Seas. Uh, Jim, did the giant squid get out or 
uh, did uh, the Japanese uh, chefs get uh, hungry and turn it into sushi? I, I, look, I don't know what to tell you, Len. There's. <laughs> oh, let, let me let me let me record that line, Jim. When you say that you're not sure if there's a giant squid there, do you mean escape <laughs> or turn to sushi? I look, what I don't know what to tell you. There, there's <laughs> early concept art out there that shows inside of this mysterious island attraction, it was supposed to have a giant squid in it. Uh, the park itself opened 22 years ago this month in uh, 2001, but I, I, I can't get a definitive answer. So, Jerry, when you and Paula are in Japan next week and, and you make it over the, to the Tokyo Disneyland, I, if you get the chance, could, could you maybe swing by the 20,000 league ride and, and, and look around for the giant squid? It's going to have one big eye, and I I think 10 tentacles, right? The two really long ones, you know. Well, Jim, uh, we accept your mission, and I will report back whether we see squid or sushi. Either way. Cool. All right. I uh, I cannot wait to see what uh, Jerry brings back in his suitcases. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show today, folks. Thanks. All right. And that's going to do it for our show today. You can help support our show and Jimmy Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. On next week's show, Jim tells us about the best Disney fireworks show that you've almost certainly never seen. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be handing out bright orange high-visibility vests as part of the inevitable search-and-rescue operations at the 6th Annual Corn Maze Beer Festival. (laughs) God bless you, Indiana. On Saturday, October 7th, 2023, starting at the 450 North Brewing Company on East 450 North in beautiful downtown Columbus, Indiana. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. Be safe out there, and we'll see you on the next show.